Hello again. This is Roberta Lee, the author of The Language of Tarot, back with another episode of this podcast of excerpts from my book. Today I want to talk about the significance of numbers in tarot. Now I will say right now that I'm a highly visual person, so for me tarot is mostly about the visual imagery on the cards themselves. There are, however, uh, entire books written about numerology. There are also books written specifically about numerology as applies to tarot. I'm not really going to go very far in that direction, nor does the language of tarot, because again, to me, it's mostly a visual communication, a visual language. However, it's undeniable that the numbers on the cards have a great deal of significance in the context of readings. In the language of tarot, the information that I'm about to talk about right now is broken up over the course of quite a few different chapters and sections. I talk about numbers specifically when I'm talking about each group of minor arcana cards. There's also a lot of information about numbers in all the sections in the book on how to do readings. So instead of trying to piece all those different sections together into an episode of this podcast, I'm going to speak extemporaneously um, about this subject and try to touch on all those bases as we go along. The first thing I should say about numbers is that sometimes it's so crystal clear uh, that you almost don't need me to tell you that. It's something that you will organically see as you start doing readings. And what I'm talking about there, as far as being very clear, is when numbers in a reading uh, show up in a chronological order, so that you begin a reading with uh, an ace, you know, and it and it goes to a ten. I've, I've never seen that reading, by the way, where they fall in exact chronological order, but logically it could happen. Uh, variations on that, however, are pretty common, where you see that uh, groups of numbers fall at different spots in a reading. As you begin working with the oracle, one of the most important things I think you can do as you learn to read cards is to begin with very simple reading formats that involve only one, two, three different cards. That's why in the language of tarot, I go over in great detail how to perform Com- from completely from the first moment of the reading when you sit down with a seeker and try to format the question right through how to conclude a reading and how to express the, the, the synopsis of what that information is to the seeker. And I do that for uh, single-card readings, uh, then for a, a three-card past, present, future spread. Um, then I do it uh, for a six-card compatibility uh, spread, which is my own design. And finally, for the 10-card classic Celtic cross spread, so that you go from a very simple kind of reading to a much more complicated one that has a lot more depth. But again, when you're beginning, it's good to begin with simplicity. And those one-card readings are great for that. Even as you reach, though, a three-card past, present, future spread, you can see quickly that the numbers of the cards might have a great deal of significance. And it's easier to see it, of course, if you're only dealing with three cards rather than ten. It can be very clear. So the first thing to look for when you're looking at an overview of a reading uh, has to do with numbers. It's one of the, the first steps along just looking at the cards before you really open your mouth and start talking about it to the seeker. and just kind of sitting there and looking at it. You're looking for a preponderance of any given suit, of any type of card, minor arcana, court cards, or major arcana, but you're also looking for some information coming to you from the oracle expressed by the numbers on the cards. 
Obviously, if you did a three card reading and all of the cards shared the same number, then you have a really important bit of information. In the language of Tarot, at the beginning of each section um, on the different numbers, which is how the book is broken up. The book is broken up with the minor arcana cards where I first have a section on all the aces and I, I go over each one in great detail. Then all the twos and go over each one in great deal, detail and then the threes and etc. And at the beginning of each of those sections on individual numbered cards, I talk about the significance of that particular number. In a nutshell, however, you are looking at a chronological progression within the context of each suit, beginning at the formative stage, the beginning of an idea, the start of a project, the start of a plan. Those are the aces to the final end stage of that particular situation being expressed by the tens. So the beginning first uh, three cards, the aces, the twos, and the threes, really express those beginning stages of growth, uh, something developing. Uh, the last three cards, the eight and the nine and the ten in each suit, express the culmination and the end of a, a situation, a project, or a relationship, whatever the reading is, is talking about. That middle section of cards from the fours uh, to the sevens, uh, that's the, the, the middle stage of any situation where, where things are either growing or stalemated. Uh, you know, and, and you see that in readings a great deal where things progress at a certain natural rate and then they often can get hung up. And those middle cards express all of that. Either they can show things, again, organically moving forward or in many cases they can show uh, all the uh, obstacles and barriers, the, the normal stuff of life most often uh, and the influence of other people, the things that can hold things back. So that when you look at an overview of your cards, uh, think of it in those terms, that a, an ace, a two, a three, those are showing the beginning stages of things, uh, the, the eight, the nine, the ten, those are showing the end stage, and that full middle range of cards is showing things that are uh, in those middle ranges. Most often when seekers come to you, it's because of that that middle range, you know, that troubling middle range where, where things are either progressing but they're not sure how it's all going to turn out or things are progressing in sort of stutter steps. They're going along and then they go backwards and then they go along and then they go backwards and, and the, the seeker is muddled by that or else things are actually hung up and in limbo and she's frustrated. In very few cases will seekers come to you and say everything is going well, you know, the job uh, the relationship, everything is, is good. My health is good. I, I just want to know what's going on with that. You know, that, that's an unusual reading. Most often people are going to come to you or you are going to be doing readings for yourself because things are, in fact, in a transitional stage or a muddled stage or they're in a frustrating stage or they're simply in a stage where you're just not sure. You just can't clearly see where it is leading to. Having said all that about the, you know, the, the, the quick overview of the cards, I will also say that in what I would guess to be about um, 30% of readings, you will also see a chronological pattern of some kind. And that can be clear or not. Uh, and it can go in either direction. Um, things can go from, you know, from, from bad to worse or from good to bad or, you know, all, all the possibilities in life. And, and so it is with the cards. Again, that, that 10 card reading that starts with an ace and ends with a 10, uh, which I've never seen, 
is a possibility, but more often you see a flow in one direction of an, or another, where you start out with cards, for example, in the, the lower range of numbers, again, those, those aces and twos and threes, and you end up with cards that are more in the, the eight, nine, and ten range, or uh, some variation on that within the context of the cards. About 30% of the time you see something there. And when we're talking about numbers, uh, don't just think about the minor arcana cards. Uh, the major arcana cards also have numbers. And in essence, the court cards do as well. If you think that they show a chronological progression of a person, so that a page, if it's read as a, as a person, is showing a childlike person um, or childish, you know, somebody who doesn't have much authority in the situation or someone who is acting in an immature way. The knights show uh, change and progression, uh, including of a personality. They often show someone who's uh, uh, subservient in some way. It's not the boss. It's, it's middle management. You know, it, it's somebody who, who has some power and control. They're, they're not as low down on the, on the food chain as the pages are in, in that sense, but they still aren't really in full control of the situation. Then when you get to the queens and the kings, you're looking at people who do have some power over the events that the reading is dealing with. So even the court cards, in essence, carry chronological significance, even though they don't technically have numbers associated with them. Each suit of the minor arcana deals with a kind of energy, and the numbers that fall within those, those suits deal with the progression of that energy in the reading. And again, there's a great deal more on the, you know, the energy in each suit and, and what it signifies in the language of Tarot. And the book deals with that throughout its entire context. There's no just one chapter just on that subject. It's pretty much covered as, as I progress through with all the interpretations of the cards and also when I talk about how to interpret readings. However, if you look at a reading in that quick overview, and let's say you're talking about a, a past, present, future reading, just to keep things a little bit simpler here for the sake of discussion, and you see that they're all wands cards, or they're all cups, or they're all um, pentacles cards. Well, if they're pentacles cards, your assumption is that the reading is about security and, and physical reality in some way or another. Cups cards would tell you that the reading is about emotions. So that same kind of overview uh, comes into play with numbers. Again, if they all are uh, low numbers, then this is a, a reading about something that's in the beginning or formative stages. That's a really important piece of information that you can pass on to the seeker right at the beginning of when you're doing the reading to be able to look someone in the eye and say, it looks like things are, are just gelling here and your question has to do with a situation that's just being being formed. Or if you can say, Things seem to be at an end point, and, and I see that things are moving toward a conclusion. Or, again, the, that middle range. Uh, I see that you know this situation is still in flux. It's still moving, uh, and you're probably asking where it's going to progress to. Going back to what I said earlier about being a highly visual person, and therefore the language of tarot for me is a visual language, not everyone shares that interest. At, and that point of view. And there are a great many tarot decks that go back to really the way the, the first examples of tarot cards we have historically looked. And, and those cards basically had uh, symbols on them in, in a cluster so that there was, there was one 
um, coin, for example, which could become a, a you know a pentacle in our mind. And, and then there would be two of them, and then there would be three and four. And that was the entire image on the card, were just these things, the swords and the wands and, and, and all of that. So uh, one thing that some contemporary tarot deck designers have done is gone back to that original format. And there are a lot of tarot decks where only the uh, major arcana cards have anything like an illustration, and the minor arcana cards go back to that beginning stage with this language. Uh, where they simply have groups of objects on them. Not always, by the way, um, <laughs> wands, cups, pentacles, and swords. Uh, some tarot uh, designers use, use various other kinds of objects, but still in groups, in clusters. If you're really interested in the number interaction with the oracle, where, where that is a very important component to you, and you really see that clearly when you look at readings, you might want to investigate exploring those kinds of decks, which really simplify that and, and pull away from the visual image that um, I see so clearly with the oracle. I believe very strongly that every reader eventually develops their own language with the oracle. And that's what tarot is about. You know, it's about that flexibility, the, the speaking back and forth and saying, hey, what did you mean by that? Ah, oh, you meant that. And you gradually learn. This is why also... Uh, keeping a tarot journal of some kind, however primitive that might be. I mean, it could be be whatever. Uh, I think is very important in the beginning stages of reading. And again, there's an, there is a chapter in the language of tarot about keeping a journal. It might be something that I add to this podcast, perhaps at the at the end of it. it it's an interesting chapter because it has it led to the language of tarot. The book that I wrote began by being simply a handwritten journal where I would jot down notes about particularly interesting readings, card combinations that I saw, and a lot of the original notes had to do with the numbers because I began seeing these patterns very early on in my work with the Oracle. And I found that very few tarot books cover this in any detail. Some gloss over it a little bit, but very few except for the extremely specialized ones, which really go too far in that direction, make it all about numerology, uh, cover the subject at all. If you see those patterns, again, it's, it's wonderful to have a journal where you can make some notes. And uh, if you are doing readings for friends or for yourself, you have a huge advantage uh, rather than doing readings for strangers. One of the disadvantages of doing readings exclusively for strangers is that often you don't know how the thing finally comes out. You know, they come to you for a reading or perhaps to find a dandy, but you don't really know what the end point is. And if you're doing readings, though, for friends, for yourself, for family, then you often do know what the ending is. And the journal can be helpful for that. You can go back in time and say, well, six months ago we did a reading, and, and this is where you know we were at the time, and, and now I know that it was going in this direction. I didn't then, but now I know that this is where it was all going to lead. So it gives you a formation uh, for understanding the role of the oracle over time and also the question of time frames uh, within tarot readings. There is a section in, in the language of tarot about that. It's an interesting subject. I think every authority on the, on the subject, and I don't try to pretend that I am such, but you know I have a lot of experience, let's put it that way. But everyone involved with the oracle for any length of time develops their own thoughts about time frame. Uh, there are a great many theories that have to do with the numbers on the cards and how they relate to time. Uh, in fact, there are several books that I've looked at 
um, and a couple of which I bought <laughs> actually, um, that have to do with how to read a time frame based on the numbers on the cards. I'll be quite blunt about it and say I have never found this to be useful and applicable in the tarot readings that I have personally done. I've never seen the pattern so clearly that you can say, for example, that if you pull a, um, a you know, a three of cups and ask when will this happen, um, it means three months or it means three weeks or, you know, three years or any of that. I've never, ever seen that. Now, that's me. It's very possible that that interface with the oracle could develop for another reader and that they actually are seeing that and it is apt in the readings that they do. So it is something to keep in mind. And I have seen, um, you know, as I said, quite a few theories and often they have to do with not just the number, you know, but which, which uh, suit it falls in so that the, the cups or weeks maybe and the, um, you know, the, the wands or days and, and that sort of thing. Uh, it would be nice if that were the case. I mean, I would love to, to have the oracle be that specific. Again, I just have not seen that uh, to apply uh, to readings to the extent that you could ever predict something based on it. And there's often pressure, by the way, on readers, especially if you are doing readings for money, for strangers, uh, to give them some sort of real hard data like that. They, they will press you. Well, when? You know, when, when? When is it? You're saying somewhere in the future this is going to happen. I want to know when. Um, it's a hard situation to be in. You want to give them something. Uh, and, and you know the oracle is trying to speak to you and you're trying your best to understand what it's saying. And sometimes you get the feeling that it wants to tell you that, you know. And if only you could, could see it more clearly, uh, you could pass that information on to the seeker. Again, it's it's something that you might want to look at in your own work with the Oracle. And keeping a journal, uh, however you wish to do that, would, I think, help a great deal in developing that kind of interface uh, with the Oracle, should that be something you're interested in doing. Well, my little um, <laughs> extemporaneous talk about numbers has added up to be quite a, a lengthy little talk. I didn't realize I was going to chatter on for quite that length of time, but I'm glad that I did. I think that uh, this is one of those subjects, again, that really lends itself to a lot of interest, a lot of discussion about, about the oracle. I cover it, as I said, in, in some detail in the language of tarot, more than I have really in this podcast. But again, it's, it's sort of broken up. That information is spread after the course of the language of tarot, which I should say once again, is available in its uh, its full uh, version on my website, robertaleart.com, and on amazon.com. And I want to thank you uh, for listening. I also want to thank specifically all of you who have become my fans on Facebook. It's really important. I'm trying to, you know, to build a career for myself as a writer. And uh, one way that I can can do that is to uh, to point to sort of the number of people who are interested in my work leaving reviews for this podcast on iTunes or wherever you may have uh, picked up the feed is also helpful, as would be leaving a review for the language of Tarot on Amazon.com. You don't have to have purchased the book there to leave a review, by the way. Those of you who have become my fan on Facebook, uh, I should mention about Facebook. I should explain a little something right here at the end. My page is a public page. Anyone who has a Facebook account uh, can see my public page. To interact with it, to leave messages or to join in the discussions, you need to become a fan. When you become a fan, however, that does not mean that I can see your private 
profile. It doesn't work that way. It just allows you to interact. So you still have your privacy. It's not as though by becoming a fan, I, I'm collecting any information or any, or Facebook is either. Really, it, That's not how it goes. It just allows you to leave messages on my wall. And plus, it allows me, again, to say to people, look, you know, you know, my book is, is valuable to people. Here is a bunch of folks um, who have taken the time and trouble to express their interest in what I do by going to to Facebook and becoming a fan of mine there or by leaving a review. So thank you very much. What we're going to do next with this podcast uh, is look at um, some numbered cards very specifically, and I'm going to go over the interpretations of each one with the idea of applying that number to readings. I'm going to start with the threes, which are kind of an interesting group of cards. So the next podcast is going to be on the the three of wands, and then we'll cover each um, suit in, in order. And look at all the threes. I'm probably then going to do another uh, group of cards with the same idea because this is such an interesting way uh, to look at the interpretations of the individual cards. Until then, I want to thank you again for listening. Mm-hmm.